0: I'm joined by Sandra Vasoli, who is joining us from the States, and James Peacock, who is joining us from the UK. And of course, I'm here in Spain, but I have got Amberlynn. I've smuggled Amberlynn here to Spain. And yeah, we're going to be talking about um, a rather marvellous, wonderful new discovery. But first of all, I'd like you two uh, to introduce yourselves. So perhaps uh, Sandy, go
1: first. Certainly, ladies first. <clears throat> so. Thanks for inviting me, Claire. I mean, this is this is going to be a really fun and interesting discussion. Uh, I'm Sandy Vasoli, and as I as Claire said, I live in the U.S. and uh, I am the author of two novels about Anne Boleyn and one narrative nonfiction book about the letter that uh, Anne supposedly wrote from the tower or uh, authored from the tower. Um, and I research and uh, do recordings and communicate with lots of my tutor friends and, you know, really i am very interested in, in digging and seeing what else we can find about the woman whom we all love, Anne Boleyn.
0: Great. And James
2: oh hi there everyone i'm uh james and i live here in the uk and i run the queen anne boleyn society which is on facebook instagram and twitter and i'm also very lucky to work at hampton court palace um a site very well connected to anne boleyn obviously yeah so very very lucky they're steeped in history
0: yeah dream job that is <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so this has recently hit the news, hasn't it? This, um, I think it was, was it, it was described at auction, this object that we're going to talk about, this artefact, as I think just a wooden carving, wasn't it? A wooden bird. And it was, went to auction and was sold, first of all, for £75. Um, This is what The Guardian tells me anyway. I'm relying on The Guardian article here. And then it through research, um, which you're going to tell us more about, it was revealed to actually be a carving of Amberlin's famous uh, falcon badge, um, which we all know, all Amberlynn, uh fans worldwide will recognize, you know, the white falcon, the crowned falcon with the scepter on the tree stump with the white and red roses flowing from that barren uh, tree stump. Um and you know that being her badge. And it's just amazing it's been identified as Anne's Falcon and that it perhaps was um once um well that it came from Hampton Court Palace. So i I know nothing more than the Guardian story. So perhaps the two of you could enlighten me as to how how this discovery was
1: made
2: i think sandy best starts. she's the one who who,
1: role on this well we'll start from the beginning and then we'll go back and forth because Mm. james and i have had you know we listen we've been very very privileged and lucky to have a part to play in this and It's actually, you know, just like things are with Anne. And I know, Claire, you believe this because this is how you got started with the Anne Boleyn Files. And I know James believes this. There's just something uncanny about how Anne, you know, directs things or leads things. I've believed this for a long, long time. And this story is is just, I think, one example of that. So yeah, so we're both really privileged to even be involved at all. But for me, the story is that um, about a year ago, I decided that I was going to, unbeknownst to my husband, I was going to shop for just a little maybe coffer or box or something from the Tudor era. If if I could find something that was affordable, you know, I just was one day looking around. <clears throat> and you know, I kind of went on some different antique sites in the UK and I found something that I liked and, and I was pursuing it. And then somehow, and truly, I, I don't even know how Paul's website popped up for me. And I looked at a couple things there and I found something that I, I liked. So, and it, and his website says, please inquire. So I did, I sent him an email and he wrote back to me and then we were talking about, you know, the possibilities and the delivery. And, um, I said, you know, can I call you? So I did, we, we spoke. And in the course of the conversation, he said, you know, because I have my website on my email, he said, I looked at your website and he said, we share a passion. And I said, what is that? And he said, for Anne Boleyn. And you know, he said, so I actually, we we really connected on the phone. He said, I actually want to tell you about something that I found. And I said, okay, tell me. And he said, well, I think I found the carved uh, emblem um, for Anne, her badge. And, you know, I, so I said, you're kidding me. And the the conversation continued and he sent me a photo of the unrestored Falcon. And I was like you 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 know that's this is incredible and so th- you know this is what I'll share with you he the story that he told me is that as most antique dealers do in the UK they scan the paper for listings you know in the classifieds you know selling gar- you know garage sales estate sales and he and that's how they can acquire some of the items that they get so he did see something and it was a grouping and it was like you know, small cupboard, um, writing desk, small box, carved wooden bird, and he said he thought it was the it was the deceased the estate of a deceased antique dealer. So he sent one of his guys out. And he said, "Here's your budget. Come back with this group because I." He said, "I felt like one of the desks probably was or could be of the Tudor era. Hmm. So it comes in a cardboard box. These three things." and he lifts out the bird, and um, and he lifts out the bird, and he looks at it, and he thinks, this is really, it was filthy, this is really odd, but he thought it looked familiar, so he went and started to do some looking online, and he said, "I I almost died when I saw the drawings and the the images hmm. that were so similar to this. So literally that's, and he said, the box of items was bought for 75 pounds. Oh, wow. The whole yes. box. The box. <laughs> wow. And that was just one, of, that was an incidental. That's not even, of course, what he was looking for. He wanted the writing desk or the little coffer or whatever. Mm. Uh, which I don't know what they were ended up being, but so now he's looking at this, and I think he then contacted his friend um David Holston, who is the head of Oak Interiors for bonhams they I think they're good friends, mm. and they started conferring on it um you know, and and at that point, I think that's when. Uh, they, if, if some of you know, I know James knows, it was, it came up for sale at Bonhams, I think in 2019, as part of, they had like a collection of, of English oak furniture. It came up for sale in the unrestored state, and it did not sell. Okay. So, um, so anyway, and the, and what Paul told me is the reason that it didn't sell is that he, which of course, thank heaven that it didn't. Uh, There was one very famous historian who was desperate for it, but Paul said he didn't have a great feeling about it, so he did not let it go. They didn't agree on a price. Um, And he said the reason that it didn't sell was because he had not done any um, fact-finding. He hadn't done any analysis of it at that point. It was just as he had found it, and he certainly believed it to be Anne Boleyn's Burr Falcon, but he really didn't know a whole lot more about it. So in that conversation, you know, we talked for a long time and then we talked again. And, you know, he said he he knows that that's that this is what it was. And he his dream was for it to go to Hampton Court. But apparently he and David had not had any luck connecting with the right person at Hampton Court. And thus i over to james i was like well i happen to know so so let me just make a comment how weird this connection is that i happen to connect with him paul the loveliest man in the Mm. world and then it was like well i think i know somebody so james take it away
2: oh oh, yes so i remember sandy you messaged me or emailed me about it i think it was it it was around this time last year or very beginning of the year yeah. I think it which is crazy to think we've known about it all this time um and I remember you telling me about it and it was just so exciting and it was just that instant thought of wow imagine getting it back to Hampton Court, um which would just be incredible so I think it was around the big, very beginning of the year we'd just gone into the third lockdown here in the UK Things look very bleak at the start of the year, um, and I sent an email to the lovely Tracy Borman, who is one of the joint chief curators mm-hmm. of Historic Rock, uh, which part of it looks after Court Palace, and gave her a bit of the backstory, not quite the backstory there, um, but um, Tracy and Sandy had already had... Um, you know, contacts in the past and we I mentioned a bit of the a bit of extra information that Sandy very kindly gave me. And Tracy, bless her, she was straight away so keen to know more, very interested to talk to Paul. And yes, thanks it's really it's thanks to Tracy and Sandy that this whole thing has happened really, um, to get the ball rolling, to, to get us the position where we are now. Yeah, it's just absolutely incredible.
1: Well, really, it's thanks to you, because I, I, you know, I had been in communication with Tracy a little bit, but not where I think it would be, you know, oh, my gosh, there's this amazing discovery. You need to hear about it. So I, I, you know, I knew that that James held a lot of credibility with her. And she is very, you know, she's very kind. And I mean, she's she's one of the curators for historic royal palaces. So kind of nobody better to, um, you know, to kind of think about it. And and she did express interest right away, but of course had to talk. And we were in the middle of, you know, a bad time. And, you know, the historic Royal Palaces was making no money. And, you know, so she had to communicate with her, her management. Um, and there were periods of time when it would just kind of go quiet. Yeah. But during... And so we did not really know that it was going to end up hitting the press like it has, right? We kind of hoped and we hoped we could see it one day, but she had said, you had, you guys had, what was it, the Field of Cloth of Gold exhibit on at the time?
2: Yes. Yeah. That was, um, yeah, in the summer. That's right. It did go, it did get quiet at times. And, um, and you know like like you said historical palace was in a very bad financial position um the last student started this year was not a great time um and there was talk of you know how it could potentially work and everything there's all the other stuff um aside of having it on display and whether or you know eventually having it at hampton court and everything um but yeah there was the the Golden Glories. It was called the Philadelphia World Exhibition. Was mm. on the time when I think we heard more about it. I, I'm trying to remember the exact timeline now. Also, last year, now when you look back at it, it, all seems to blur into one. But then you remember that there were periods where it did get a bit quiet, and it, then it sort of sparked up again, and everything. And bless Tracy, she was so wonderful. She was constantly keeping us informed of as much as she could of everything going on and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's just and-
0: it's just wonderful to think of of this artifact going back kind of home mm-hmm. because yeah. I mean surely it was either at Hampton Court Palace or perhaps even the I suppose the Tower of London it might have been there. But I, I mean, it fits more with Hampton Court Palace, I think, doesn't it? Because sure. there are you know those falcons on yeah you know there are the crests on the ceiling aren't there in the Great Hall and that. Um so it kind of seems really lovely that it's going back home. But it must have been amazing when it was restored and you know, to find that actually it was in good condition and it still had some of the, you know, the original gilding and colours on it. And it's just it's staggering. But uh, it's, yeah, so and, good. And
1: I think, um you know, it was actually Mr. Holston who had done some original research, because when they put it up for sale at Bonhams <clears throat> in 2019, you know, they have when you, I guess, when you go to those auctions, they have those beautiful catalogs, and he did an entry for the catalog and had done some original or some initial research. And it appears like, uh, you know, and James kind of knows where on the ceiling. I think there are two or three that remain.
2: They're, they're.
1: I think James said they're way high up and near up, they're
2: very but, out, out of your eyes, out of side side, basically you have to really you have to know where they are really to look. And I don't think there's a very up to date picture of them, actually, to be honest, of, if, the, if there are any out mm-hmm. there. sort. Well.
1: There was one there was uh, an architect by the name of Pugin who did a restoration and an analysis of the ceiling in, I want to say, the late 1800s. He was Victorian and apparently they did scaffolding and they they got up there he and his his you know his colleagues and they took a lot of measurements of the carvings that are up there <clears throat> so they do have measurements of the carvings the, the the falcon carvings that remain there and what they were able to do was to to match those measurements almost precisely with this Falcon. And you can see that the carvings are almost identical. So it's believed then that Richard Ridge, who we think was the original, I guess he was like the master carver who hmm. oversaw the group of people who were doing those those carvings and placing them on the ceiling. It seems like it was him or his team who also created this. But... You know, the belief is that this one was probably in her private apartments and not on the ceiling. Okay. It was thought initially that, because I think there was a, a a part of the root screen in the Great Hall, James, the screen that is there, where you go into the Tudor apartments. And I think there's part of it that's been removed or something many, many years ago so you know there was speculation could it have been there but um but i think the the analysis so the restoration process done by uh ian crick smith who heads kind of probably the most prestigious antiques restoration company in the uk um he was the one who worked on it and not I know Paul told me that uh, Mr. Cricksmith said to him that clearly when you are in the its presence when you're working on it it has a very distinct aura of importance like there is something about it that is not just your regular you know piece of ancient and valuable wood or artifact, Mm. he felt that it had something really special about it. So, and as he was removing, um, so I mentioned to you, Claire, there's, there is a report that comes out after that. And as he was removing the layers, they do a very detailed, chemical analysis on them so that you can see what the layers are and there's actually the photos of the electron micrograph images you know kind of the side images so you can see the layers and then the analysis comes out because they do an analysis of each layer so very interestingly there is there was dirt obviously mm-hmm. and dust there was black paint there was Mm -hmm. soot and along with the soot, there was beeswax. So I thought that was like incredibly interesting. And to me, that was the signal that it was, it, it was either during the time that it was at Hampton Court, it was either in her apartments where it would be more likely to get a beeswax coating with all the tapers and the candles that were there. And of course we know beeswax was expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe it was on display in someone's home or they had it in someone's home once it was removed and saved because of course that's the other part of the story, how did it get to where it is today? so, and and I'd like for us all to speculate on that. But um, I can tell you a little bit about the 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 analysis. So the first layer was um, soot, dirt, and then and beeswax. And the second layer had these things, and I wrote them down from the report because I think they're interesting, Calcium carbonate. So this was paint flex. Yeah. He, they, took, they were able to take a tiny little fleck of paint. And do an analysis of it because, of course, as he started to clean off, it's like, oh, my gosh, here's the original gilt and paint that this bird had. Um, Calcium carbonate, lead oxide, you know, which, of course, we know they used a lot of lead paint. Cinnabar with the red areas, red lead, gold, silver, and cochineal. Is that how you say it? Cochineal? Yeah. Cochineal. Yeah. So we know cochineal was used for red
0: mm-hmm. tinting
1: at that point. So was cinnabar and actual real gold, real silver. um And then, you know, the lead oxide, which was the white paint. So, you know, that, that started to give a great deal of credence that it came from that that era, um, which, you know, I think is, is pretty. And then, of course, as he continued to work on it, it was shocking because apparently this coat of beeswax and soot and then some black paint on it protected all of the under-coating you know, like when stuff gets buried in the sand, the Titanic and all of that, some of that just really preserves the original surface. And, you know, lo and behold, it has almost the entirely total original surface on it of paint and gilt.
0: So. It's, it's incredible. that You just think about, you know, Henry VIII destroying all these things that were unrelated. I mean... We know there are still, you know, some of the H.A. motifs that he kind of missed at Hampton Court Palace as well. So he wasn't, they weren't that thorough. But it just makes you wonder how this one carving got away and, and why it ended up being painted black as well. I mean.
1: So I, what do you guys think?
0: I'd love to think that an Anne supporter kind of smuggled it. You know. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, yeah, one of her ladies or I don't know, Archbishop Cramner or someone that was, you know, sympathetic to her cause just, yeah, saved it and put it away. And over time, perhaps it got painted in black. Um, I don't know. I don't know why to hide it to someone fancied making it black. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, What do you think, James? I mean, what let's assume what if it was in. Her original apartments, like, you know, over the, the mantle in her bedchamber, which makes a lot of sense because I think, you know, she would have had a hearth and it would have been, you know, the, the wood surround would have been carved. And, you know, um, and where were her chambers then, James in Hampton Court Palace? I know they're not there any longer, but what kind of got overlaid
2: that? So her apartments where they would have been are now roughly on the site of where the queen's the now queen's apartments which is known as the georgian store georgian apartments basically um started they started being built in the late 1600s completed in the early 1700s or so um there's probably some work that had gone on before then to like you know um update the rooms and everything but it has been always known that it was pretty much, as, as we know, the time of Anne's arrest, as I always say to people, 2nd of May, executed less than three weeks later on the 19th. So there was like this breakneck speed to remove everything as possible, so much that's connected to her um, and replace it with everything that was going to be connected with Henry's next queen, who's um, already in waiting. Um, so... I, I do like to think that they the falcon would have been preserved by one of her supporters, um, you know, to, to sort of protect it to keep her memory her memory going and stuff. It, it kind of to me that makes the most sense because if it had been her private arms, I think the chance that it would have been spotted um, certainly um, by you know Henry Henry would have visited Jane in her private rooms. Um, and yeah it would have so I do think for that at least although it has also been said that Jane uh, so yes, yeah, so Jane obviously uh, it's probably said that she um I believe that she um, moved into Catherine of Aragon's rooms whilst, Anne's, whilst the Queen's apartments that had been newly built for Anne were being completely refurbished for her and it's said that that's where she gave birth to um, Edward, uh, where she then also died. Um, so, if that's the case, then maybe they were in the process of uh, secretly removing this falcon to sort of hide it by one of one of Anne's supporters. Yeah, it's. Um, but I do, I do think. I mean, it makes absolute sense. I know we can never say we know for definite, but it does make sense that it was hidden by one of her supporters to uh, sort of keep her memory alive. Of course, because we now know with hindsight that. Anne's daughter would come to the throne and um, Mm. would become one of the most famous monarchs in history, Um, certainly um, almost eclipsing eclipsing her father, Henry, Um, but at the time no one would have known this. Um, It was pretty much, yeah, so to to take that to sort of keep Anne's memory going was pretty much their only hope they had. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, of course, um, yeah, Elizabeth made use of her mother's falcon badge yeah. as well. So I, I love that. I love that, I that the white falcon got used by um, Elizabeth yes. as well. But yes. Yeah, I mean, they even did things like um, to kind of cut corners. I suppose it was because of the speed of the events of May 1536 that they changed like Anne Boleyn's leopards into because the the leopard became i think from anne's howard ancestry the Brotherton's into i think the first duke of norfolk in the 14th century um they changed the leopard into jane Seymour's panther didn't they uh, <laughs> i love that okay right. <laughs> we'll just we'll just
1: paint it up and just change just, it slightly. yeah jane, she, she really got a lot of hand-me-downs <laughs>
2: yeah a bit of a, tu- bit, do a bit of touch up yeah and i think And I think it happened with some of the other heraldic beasts around the palace, where maybe Henry changed one wife and had the next one lined up. It's like there's often a quick turnaround going on. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
1: suppose yeah, cutting corners, cutting costs. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. And speed. You know, I somehow as I started to as I thought about the life of this, you know, this beautiful carved bird and how it could have possibly come to light again today. And of course, you know, I mean, I asked Paul, do you know who who's who was the dealer? Whose estate did this come from? Just to see if there was any way that you could kind of trace back, but you know, he didn't know. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I think there's a huge gap in there in which we'll never know, but I'll tell you what, like the picture that comes to my mind. And that is that this was part of her private apartments, her privy chambers, maybe her, a watching chamber or receiving room or even her bed chamber. And then when things went so terribly awry and there was a bevy of workmen sent out to, you know, take things off of walls. And, but of course, you know, they didn't want to pull down the whole wall. They were going to remove things that were exactly pertinent to her. Um, As we know in the court at that time, there was plenty of money exchange going. So clearly one of, you're right, Cranmer. one of the nobles, one of the families who supported her. I'm picturing them giving some, you know, little work boy who was charged with, you know, you chip down and take down every Falcon. You see where they are in these three rooms. You go take them down and, you know, you put them here and somebody paid, you know, one of the workers, you slip this to me, you give it to me and I'll give you a, you know, whatever. I'll give you a gold whatever. And um, and, that's, and mm-hmm. that's how it went to one of the families who then took it and preserved it. And maybe they did have it sort of on display in their house. And that's how it got a lot more beeswax. Because think about if it had sat there just for the duration, let's say it was in her apartment over her hearth, how would, it was just two couple years. I mean, at the most, not even. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows how long and how much she was in residence uh, in those rooms. So how would it have gotten the coating of soot and beeswax? So I'm thinking that that happened at somebody else's home yeah. and that maybe then it was painted over so that it wouldn't be quite so noticeable. But that it wasn't taken and stuffed in a drawer or a chest somewhere, but that it was actually kind of on display in that family's home for, you know, for some years. But it was painted over to have it not be like this white and gilt and red and white, you know, noticeable thing.
0: Or perhaps because it was so sooty, perhaps they kind of thought the person that painted it black perhaps they thought it was supposed to be black
2: I mean, and maybe. so they
0: painted it black you know there's a novel in this sandy
2: uh-huh. <laughs> you know that there's
1: gonna have to be that's right
0: that's right i mean you're gonna yep. have to write this yep. this is gonna be the provenance of well, this you're gonna have to there is there is a yeah. book and i already have
1: the title and the title is Yay. rage and the relic oh uh-huh.
2: i like this
1: and the relic so his rage did not suppress Anne's relic.
0: Oh, I love and, that.
1: you know, there, I mean, there it lay or it's just like, it's almost as incredible to think of the 400 years, the 400 plus years and where it could have been during that time as it is to think of its recovery from, from where it was. So, you know, yeah, and, and also by the way, it really? is it really is incredible. And and there has been dendro dating on it and the and the wood matches that time period. Yeah, you know, early English oak. Um, there's no question that it was it was a badge of ants. I mean, I think there's zero debate about that. Um, where it was, but it is uncanny that it's exactly the same as the other ones. in in Hampton Court. Yeah. So
0: it's it's going on loan to Hampton Court. Is that right? Yeah. He
1: wants it to be on a long-term loan. So it will be
0: on display at some point in Hampton Court Palace. Yeah. For us to go and see and pay
1: our respects to. Yes. Yes, it will. Mm. And Paul has said it is just when you hold it, when you look at it, it is just amazing. It's amazing, and you know, just to give some some um, kudos and credence to him, um, I have not had a chance to meet him yet. We have spoken a lot, and he just is somebody who he said, you know, I, um, I, I, it's all about the passion that I have for these things. And he said, all I can tell you is, I just haven't a sense of these items, what is real, what has had a history, you know, what has had an important background. And he said that I can just tell you that that's, that's what it is like for me. And that's how, you know, he runs his business. And of course, some of the things that he sells are so just unbelievably gorgeous Mm. and amazing. And, um, yeah, for yeah
0: a, I I went and had a little a little browse of his website. Is that uh, like eye candy
1: or what? Oh,
0: yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, we need to give him a shout out, don't we? Paul Fitzsimmons of, is it Marum Church Antiques? Marum yeah, Church Antiques. I'll put a link to his website in the description. Yes, because
1: it's, it's so fun to look at, look through. Yeah. And, you know, I would say it's surprising. I mean, a lot of the items you know, you might think you you look at this and, and it's like valued at whatever. A lot of his items are not nearly as expensive as you would think that they would be. Like when, for us, we think, oh my God, these things should be in a museum. They're, you know, this was the Henry VIII era. This was the Elizabethan era. But, you know, they are acquirable and it's, you know, it's pretty incredible to have something in your home, even if it's a very small thing and it really comes from that era. It's mm. like freaky.
0: Yeah to have a piece of Tudor history at home yeah I know yeah. I know
1: it's just uh, it really Oh I think does. it's
0: it's wonderful that that yeah Paul has is loaning it to Hampton Court Palace so that people can enjoy it rather than it yeah rather than it going off like so many things have disappearing into private collections or being in bank vaults or you know I'm still want to find that uh, you know the missing portraits of, of Anne Boleyn you know
1: it's that's gonna that's in a bank vault somewhere <laughs> <It's gotta laughs> be a well you know what who knows it could be I mean in England, there are so many amazing like attics mm. of like these old old homes that it's it's probably sitting around in somebody's attic somewhere. Yes. Just like this, you know, this falcon was. Just who knows where it was. It, yeah, it is.
0: Mixed up with rocks. a load of other things
1: that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh it's so such James, an incredible if story. Put, if they do a display, where do you think, where do you think it will be?
2: at Hampton oh. Court. Oh gosh. I mean, if you
1: had to if you could design oh, that, the display,
2: where <laughs> would you put it? Oh gosh. I Oh, that's a really Oh, I would say, I mean, first first place I'm sort of thinking of is the Great Hall um because that I mean, all of Hampton Court Palace is well, maybe not the baroque side or stuff, but the Tudor side has in my words, as I always say to visitors, visitors Anne Boleyn's DNA stamped throughout it. It's it's. She and Henry set about designing that palace together. We we have so many records, thousands and thousands of records of them. Um, and we know that they um, looked at the building works together. They basically, you know, they basically designed the palace. And, and the Great Hall in particular is like, the is like the remnant of all that um it's like the when you stand in there you've got the h and a's you've got the um falcons in the ceiling there's also a broken falcon on one of the screens which doesn't has a, I, to my knowledge and to pretty much all my colleagues knowledge, has not been given any focus um before but it's sort of there hidden away so it does make you sort of wonder um i've been trying to take a good enough picture of it to to share it but it's um it's incredibly hard to do and it, it just comes out looking grainy or or you know uh stretched every time that i don't yeah it just doesn't look right but yeah i would probably say the great hall or maybe a smaller room somewhere a bit more intimate if you could tie it in with something give it its own its own sort of yeah its own sort of um attention and everything yeah that's, yeah. yeah, that's really, really. That'd poignant.
0: be wonderful to have a, a yeah, an Amblerin exhibition with, yeah, well, lots of artifacts like the the medal, the checkers ring. Or bring bring them all together with the falcon. That'd be uh-huh. that would be wonderful, wouldn't that? If you could borrow all all those bits and pieces.
1: There has yeah. been talk about doing a a documentary on the items that are her artifacts, either known or presumed. And of mm. course, one of, I mean, you know, there's the beautiful uh, book of hours that James and I saw together at the British library where she and Henry wrote inscriptions mm. to each other, which is like, you know, also so amazing when you you look at it and you think about it. Um, but one of my favorites that's not talked about that much is that beautiful golden girdle book. It's also in the British library. Yeah. Um That you know the early writings of of Wyatt uh, describe that it was in fact with her, and I know there's you know just like just like the splinters of the true cross of Christ. There are so many things that people say that she took to the scaffold. Yes, um, with her, <laughs> she must have had a very big bag on that day. I had like a big <laughs> bag of like stuff. <laughs> so, but I think that that beautiful golden girdle book. I think that she may have had that there. And that is what, you know, the the history, the Wyatt family mm. history says. But of course, you know, there are a lot of people who will dispute that, however. But yeah, there are there are there are quite a few very interesting items that can be attributed to her. And and sometimes the more mysterious they are, the more fun they are to think about and intriguing. you know where was this and did she touch it and you know did she and henry share it and did they you know touch it together and you know again james you just talk about the 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 plans and everything that they did together for that amazing magnificent great hall and and the beautiful hampton court and it just again makes you think like what a shame what they could have accomplished together had things not gone awry it's all
0: all of that work and then such a short time to to Mm -hmm. yeah to enjoy it all and well things never got completed did they
1: no no and I I like to think about what you know together had they continued to work as a productive team Mm. what they could have accomplished because you know they kind of each enhanced the other's abilities and intellect and and you know appreciation for art and you know religion and music and they they really they kind of in many ways brought out the best in each other until he, it just he just was not you know able to um see it that way
0: yeah I think they were a, a powerhouse a, yeah a force to be reckoned with together but mm-hmm. yes it's just sad yeah how it all yeah, came mm-hmm. crashing down. But Anne will uh,
1: yeah. we'll have her say. Oh, she we'll will. Yes. Say, and yeah. this is this is like a perfect example <laughs> of don't count me out. I'm still here. Yeah, definitely. definitely. There's the show
2: that there's so, much, so much more to be discovered, you know, and there's always something new. There's so much still out there. So like like you say, Claire, the portrait. It's got to be out there somewhere. It? Yeah,
0: it's got to be. I know it was cut down at one point. We've got records for that, but it's definitely it's definitely out there somewhere. It's, yeah, either it's in a private collection and that person doesn't want to, doesn't want anyone to know about it, doesn't want to have to insure it, uh, you know, or it's or someone doesn't know
1: what they've got. It,
0: it's they don't know what it is. It could, be, yeah. it could
2: be
1: in such bad shape that, yeah. you know, nobody would know what they have or haven't looked up there for a long time or, you know. But it just goes to show, I mean,
0: people say all the time, oh, they're you know, now this many years on, you're not going to find anything new. There's no new information. There's no oh, new. No, no, this no, just no. goes to show that that is so wrong. That- That's right discoveries right. can still be made and I I thank you so much to both of you for for joining me for this I just really wanted to get the story from you um rather than rely on just the newspaper reports and that um it's such a fascinating story and a, a big thank you and shout out to Paul Fitzsimmons as well for uh you know for for this discovery and for actually allowing this artifact to be shared rather than hiding it away and nobody ever seeing it. I mean, it's such a great man to to do that. So, um, but really yes, amazing. I'm going to share. In the description for this video, I'll be sharing um links to Paul's website. Um, and I also I wrote an article ages ago on the Amblin files on Amblin's badge and heraldry and explaining yes. the falcon and the leopard and, and what she used in that. So I'll put a link to that as well for people to learn more about that. Yes. But it's yes. been wonderful chatting to you both. Oh, I, I mean we don't time. do this often enough, do we? It's it's
1: so oh. lovely to uh,
0: to chat. Yeah.
1: Oh, really, really, we should, really we nice. Should, we should have a little session where we t- talk a- more about some of the um, the mysterious artifacts. Yes,
0: yeah, definitely. And Sandy, you've got to get on with this novel. I know.
1: I'll start with Rage <laughs> and the Relic. It'll be yeah. out next week. <laughs> but it's, a, it's definitely a thought. So... But thank you, guys. It's just, it's really been, it's been so much fun. And and there will be more to come about this I, it, as it becomes, yeah, um, you know, as we find out when it's going to be on display. And I know Paul has been somewhat overwhelmed by the, um, you know, the influx of journalists and reporters, but there, yeah. you know, he'll, I'm sure he'll be able to share a little bit more of the story, some more details. So I'm just telling you you know from my conversations with him what i know but you know there's yeah. there's more there and uh, it'd be interesting um, to also to talk to mr you know to ian crick smith as well his restoration so
0: yeah 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 i think that would be very interesting to to carry this on and get even more information but yeah. but yeah. thank you both okay. thank you so much for joining thank me you.
1: thank Bye. you so much all sending you kisses from you us and And love to you from Spain.